0: we're continuing in our series in on purpose uh so my i think it's the third part of the series who wasn't even aware that there was a series going on (laughs) that's like, is there a series anyway there is a series put your hand down justine jeez justine works in the office (laughs) stand up justine this is justine up there in the red give her a big hand Does a fantastic job in the office with Tiffany and Ruthie as well, and uh, so fantastic, awesome, awesome girls. In fact, I was at a, uh, I'm rambling a bit this morning, but um, we're away at the, I've been away for a few weeks, different things at the National Conference and we had our Strategy retreat thing happening. Anyway, I was in this meeting and everyone's talking about different stuff from the different campuses and everything that's going on and talking about different things. And in the middle of it, I just thought, how blessed am I with the girls that that, uh, work in in our office? They are absolutely phenomenal. So I sent them all a text saying, compared to everybody else in our church across all the different campuses, you are by far the best. (laughs) So can we give them all a big hand? And we even have the best campus, all the smartest, best looking, progressive, talented people all come to Roselle. Um, So to understand your purpose, you must have a kingdom perspective. That's the title of my message here today. To understand your purpose, you must have a kingdom perspective. So the book of Colossians, if you've never read the book of Colossians in the Bible, it's uh, one of my favorite books, but... It was written to a to a new church. Uh, some believers, uh, some people had gone there and they'd witnessed to some of their neighbours and friends and whatever, and these people had given their lives to Christ, and, and a church did form in this town of, of Colossae, and they were, they were non-Jewish believers, so they, they didn't know the Bible, they didn't know God from the Jewish heritage and everything, and so uh, in a lot of ways it represents uh, some people today that maybe don't come from a Christian background or or haven't grown up believing in God, and so it's all sort of new or fresh. Uh, They'd come to faith in Christ, and now they had a desire to live for God. And so Paul wrote them a letter. Paul was in jail, and he'd heard about them, and he said, I'm going to write a letter to this church. So what, as an apostle, or a church leader or whatever, what would you write to new Christians? What, what would you write to a new church, new people who are just discovering what it is to follow Christ, to to to, uh, to learn about him and, and discover what how to live uh, with faith? So Paul wrote this letter, and I just want to, I'm not going to read the whole letter, uh, but he talks about right at the start, and he did this on a couple of different, if you read the other letters that he wrote to different churches, he, he wrote some similar themes. So we can get an understanding of what he believed were important truths, important understandings uh, for us as believers when it comes to following God, living for our purpose, and fulfilling God's purpose for us in the in the world. So in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, he said this. I'm gonna read two verses and then look at it a little bit. Uh, for this reason, since the day we heard about you. We have not stopped praying for you. So, number one, prayer is obviously an important characteristic he believed in seeing people established and growing in their faith. And uh, it was fantastic to hear Catherine's testimony about uh, just her witnessing and sharing of the gospel, uh, and that you know, praying for people and praying that people would come to faith is an important part of that journey. No one comes to God by accident. Uh, it, is a, it is a revelation, it is a gift that God presents to us to open up our understanding that He is real. So we continually ask God, what does He ask? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Uh, verse 11, I'll leave it at there. So, verse 9, verse 10. Uh, so, isn't it interesting that Paul says here the very first thing he's praying for is that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will for your life. That understanding why we're here, understanding what we're meant to be doing with the gift that God's given us of life on earth, Paul saw as a paramount understanding for every believer and the desire and the pursuit of understanding God's will for us in our in a general sense as a Christian and then as a specific sense as a person called of God Paul said that he's praying for these believers that they would be filled with this knowledge why because he said when you get this understanding you're able to live a life worthy of the Lord And please Him in every way. And you can bear fruit in every good work and you grow in the knowledge of God. Understanding God's will for our life outflows into every area of our life. And so, pursuing that, desiring that, and wanting that is an important part of every believer's life. If we're just like, well, I don't really care what God's purpose is or desire for my life. I've got my own ambition. I've got my own desires. I've got my own plan. I've got my own pursuits and my own direction. And I just want God to just bless that. I just want Him to, to put His favor on me so that I can do what I want to do. Is That's not the heart nor the desire of a believer that is following Christ. And Paul is praying here that... that that, that uh, these Colossian believers would be filled with the knowledge of God's will for their life. Does that mean that they're diametrically opposed or they can't connect? Uh, not at all. It's not like, oh, well, you're a Christian now, so everything that you want to do is barred and that's wrong and that's sinful or whatever, so you've got to let go of everything you want to do and all the, all the desires and, and everything you want. You've got to forget all that and you've got to do this thing that God wants you to do, which you're going to hate for the rest of your life. No, that's not the case, but the true heart of a believer, Paul is saying, is someone who says, God, I'm here because I want to know your will for my life. I want to know it in a general sense of how I live, in relating to other people and in connection with people, and specifically why I'm here and what you want me to do with this time that I have on the planet is an important pursuit. Um, filled with the knowledge knowledge of his will through all wisdom. He prayed the same thing for the Ephesians church. If you read the book to Ephesians, which is another book in the Bible, which, which was also a letter to a young church. And he prayed for them that they would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Again, a similar type of prayer. So first and foremost, Paul wanted them to know God's will for their life. Do you know? What God wants you to do. Now, we're never going to know it in fulfillment, in complete understanding. But it's, it's important as Christians that, that we, in our uppermost heart and desire is, God, I want to discover why I'm here and what you've got for me. Not, the other thing is, I'm, just, I'm doing my own thing and I, and I want you to bless me. Um, so it's, as believers, it's imperative that we're living out our lives in the pursuit of God's will and a desire and His desire for our life. Why am I here? And what's it all about? Most people are asking those questions. Young and old are asking those questions. When I was 27, not that long ago, but when I was 27 years of age, I worked as a sales rep for the largest privately owned company in Australia, um, Visiboard, it was, at the time it was owned by Dick Pratt, who's since passed away. Um, he was the second richest man in Australia, so obviously highly successful, uh, And the national sales manager uh, at that time was the epitome of what most people would say is the highly successful sales manager. He was tall, he was athletic, uh, he talked a lot, and he drank a lot. Um, And he was extremely wealthy, lived on the water here in Balmain. Uh, We weren't in this area at the time, I was, as I said, 27, and... uh, I was doing quite well in the company at the time, and, and this national sales manager, name was Hayden, he said to me he wanted to come out with me on a couple of calls to see some of the clients. Um, and he said that he'd marked me to um, take over and manage what was then one of the company's largest clients, which was Coca-Cola, which was worth millions and millions of dollars to the organisation. So he's like, and I'm here, I'm 27, and this guy who everyone idolized and looked up to because he what everyone considered was he was a success. He lived on the water in Balmain. He was enormously wealthy. He was quite good looking and uh had everything that the world would say is is successful. Um, so anyway, he comes out in the car I'm like okay. <laughs> And uh, I was sitting there, and we went and saw a couple of clients, and, and whatever. And I'm trying to be on my best behaviour. And um, and uh, he knew I was a Christ, he knew I was a Christian. I shared different things with him at different points, not not overtly, not in a way that would turn people off, but made them made it clear that that uh, that I'd been to Bible college. That was the first thing. What? Are you serious? Um, Anyway, we're sitting in the car, we've seen some of the clients, and he said this to me. He said, I'm 59 years old, I've got a wife I'm not close to, I've got two kids that only talk to me when they want money, I've got a big house on the water and everything I want, and I'm just trying to work out what it's all about. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Firstly, why are you talking to me about it? <laughs> I mean, I'm 27. What the hell do I know? Um, but I think I think, he was I think he was just verbalizing some thoughts. But also, I think it was the Spirit of God uh, that was in that room at the time. And I think, I don't know whether he was wanting from my, because he knew I was a Christian, that I'd have some kind of input or something to say or whatever. Uh, but it really made me take a step back and think, this is a guy that everybody thinks has got it all together, has everything that he wants and in the eyes of most people is successful. He is successful. And he, on the inside, although, you know, carries himself as a successful man and travels all over the world and does all this kind of stuff, on the inside he's thinking, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know if this is, what it's all about or what is it all about I've got all this stuff that everyone said you should pursue and you should desire and you should want and and there's still something missing it really made me realize and it's not the reason I went into ministry because I'd already been to Bible college but it it made me realize again that you see people who are in certain places or doing certain things and, and they look successful or they look like they've got it all together or they look like they know the answers to everything and deep down within, most people don't. Most people have just been, they've set a target or they've gone in a certain direction and they've pursued it sometimes at the cost of other important things uh, and oftentimes they get to the top of the hill and they go, well, what is it all about? Is this what it's all about? Uh, I don't want that to be the case for you. I don't want you to get the end of your life, however old you are right now, and say, I don't know if I really did the right thing. I don't know if everything I invested, my time, my energy, my focus, my commitment to has actually been really satisfying and really fulfilling. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew 16, chapter 25, talking about what it's all about and pursuing purpose in life. And this is the message translation, which I really like. He said, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want But lose yourself. See, secularism or or life without God or putting God outside puts man at the center. Man at the center of his being, man at the center of his pursuits. What we want, what we desire is the most important thing and to live out of that center and that context. And the Bible makes it clear that when you do that, you lose yourself. You don't find yourself by putting yourself at the center. Jesus said you find yourself by putting yourself outside of the center and putting Jesus at the center of your life. I think we live in a society that is becoming more and more secular. Obviously, I don't think we believe, live in a Christian country. And I think as we move God further and further out of our, of our lives and more and more to the periphery, and some people would love to, extinguish any belief or faith or, or reference to God at all uh, in our world um, and I don't think it's surprising that as we say to young people particularly that well there is no God, there is no design, there is no purpose, you're not here for any reason, it's just pure luck. It's just random causes that you're here that we see Increasing rates of suicide, of, of lostness, of a sense of what's this all about. I was just looking at some stats for four. Uh, suicide rates for 15 to 24 year olds is at its highest for 10 years. All third of the deaths of young men, that's aged 15 to 30, 30 I think, or 35, uh, all uh, one third of deaths of young men are due to suicide. 33% of every man aged 15 to 30 or 35 that dies, one third of them died because they took their own life. 41,000 young people aged 12 to 17 have made what they would consider a suicide attempt. Uh, Twice as many, 15 to 19-year-old women, died by suicide in 2016 than they did in 2005. Suicide rates have increased for children under the age of 14. Children under the age of 14 taking their own life. One quarter of women aged 16 to 17, it's in these statistics, one quarter, that's 25%. One in four 16 to 17-year-old girls have self-harmed in some way, shape, or form. When you take God, when you take purpose, when you take significance or reason for being on the planet away, then why am I here? And as soon as things don't work out, or as soon as it doesn't look like there's a bright future, or as soon as it doesn't look like the things that I want are gone, then why, why not just disappear? Why not take my own life? There's no value on it. There's no purpose to it. It's just random causes. What difference does it make if I'm here or I'm not? And so we live in an extremely lost world, a world that is confused, a world that is searching, Thinking that this is the answer or that is the answer, and if you look at history, you see that that society and has has launched in certain directions in different times. Thinking this is the answer and that's the answer, uh, and I'm not using this uh, specifically in regards to the the vote that's coming up or is happening at the moment. And uh as you know, we are not ones to say you should do this or you should do that. We're not a, a church that. Tells people what to do. Um, But if you want to know what the church's stand is, it's on the church's website um, in regards to how we should be voting. But what I want to say, without telling you how you should vote, is that everything that we do from what the Scripture says should be done in a desire, firstly, to know God's will. What, What would God want in this situation? What outcome would He want? Firstly, in our own lives, but secondly, in our society, what, what would it be that God would want on this vote? Um, and you say, "Well, how would we know that? The only way we know that is going to the scriptures. So whatever you decide, and however, and we, have, we live in a society that has given us the right to vote and, and democracy and the right to speak and have our will, and that's something that, that needs to be cherished. But as believers, it's important that whatever decisions we make in life personally and for the betterment of, or, or, the, or a direction for our society, that it comes out of what God says. And so whatever you decide, I would hope that you haven't just listened to somebody that said this is what you should do, but you personally went to the Scriptures and said, what does the Bible say and what would God want with this situation? Because then... Whatever you decide, you can vote with a clear conscience, believing that you're doing what God would want in that case. So that's what I would ask of you to do in regards to that, because we live in a lost world. It is lost. It's confused. It's searching for answers. It's searching for significance, for direction. Like I said, many 27 years of age, I and I don't know whether God specifically did that to show me that, uh, but... He's a guy that everyone said was a success. And I'm just a young guy setting out in life, wanting to pursue whatever it is that uh, I want to live my life for. And I realize at that moment, then this guy does not know what he's doing and he doesn't know where he's going and he's lost. Um, so uh, we live in a lost world. Uh, so what's God's will for my life? To fulfill your purpose, you must have a kingdom perspective. And what that means is that it's not just built around us. As Jesus said there, just self-help. If you're looking to focus on yourself or find from within, then, then you're not going to find it. It's actually outside of you. Uh, and His name is Jesus. And so when you find His will and, you, and His purpose, then all the other things flow out of that. Um. One corinthians 10 thirty one says this whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God, in other words, the way we pursue our life and what we're doing that we want to glorify God, we want to honor God and uh, and uh, lift up his name and whatever it is, and that we pursue those things I, I mean I'm not here preaching you today uh, as a career career advancement plan i didn't come into the ministry because i thought wow well that's that's a great career i wanted to be a lawyer someone that actually made money (laughs) but when i was 19 20 uh 21 when i went to i decided i'd do a year of bible college uh gap year and then i i finished a arts degree i wanted to go and do law and i went to bible college in a gap year and in that place god spoke to me and said this is the direction for your life so at that point, you have two options. Will I do what God wants me to do or will I do what I want to do? And we are constantly faced with these decisions in our life. What does God desire? My heart and I Nick's heart and our heart always, ever since we came to Christ and pursued him was, I want to please the Lord. I want to please God with my life. I want to get to the end of my life and God say, well done, well done. And so the decisions that I make and the directions that I take for me, for my family, for the things that we do, I'm always thinking, well, is this something that God would want? Would this please the Lord? And, uh, and that also comes around a lot of... Th- so, I mean, cycling, I don't think God really cares about it, uh, that I'm doing it. Um, but I also know that sometimes pursuits that we take... End up drawing us away from God um, in many different ways, and I know even with myself, I, when I get focused on something, I get uh, quite focused. Um, and and, the, and and again, even with the cycling, I'm always thinking, "Oh, is this is this taking me away from my love for God? Is this taking up too much of my time?" If I find myself, you know, every time I've got a spare time, a moment, I'm I'm googling cycling stuff, cycle, I mean, I still do spend time on that, but um, races or whatever, uh, because I don't want anything to take God's place in my life, uh, that he is the number one desire and pursuit in my life. You know, the very first commandment that Jesus, uh, God gave to the Israelites was that you should have no other gods except for the Lord. Why would he need to say that? Because we we have a tendency to constantly make other things the pursuit of our life, yeah. this is the pursuit of my life, um, and so my point is that understanding and desiring God's will and knowing it is an important pursuit, and the only way you find it is by going to the scriptures. So if you're not if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not reading through the scriptures, if if you're not saying God, show me. Because Paul says here, it comes through the Spirit of God. The Spirit then highlights, illuminates the Scriptures to us to to direct us and 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 uh, help us go in the direction that He's got for our life, um, so that we are honouring God. So the question we need to ask: Does this decision, does this decision glorify God? And not every decision is is that important. You We've know, had people in the church in the past that. You know, they get up in the morning and say, God, what, what, what shirt do you want me to wear today? And I'm like, no, he doesn't care what shirt you wear. <laughs> um, but, you know, we can get a little too fixated on, oh, I want to make sure, I, don't, I want to please God. So, you know, should I wear the, the clear boxes or should I wear the striped boxes or should I wear briefs or should I wear this or that? God doesn't care about that stuff. He's given you a brain uh, to decide all those things. Um, what he does care about is the important things in our life, the pursuit of our life, the direction of our life, the, what our focus is, where our heart is. Um, so does this decision glorify God? Does it please the Lord? And, uh, and how will you know? Well, you, you find it in the Word. You find it in His Word and He'll make it clear to you. So that's the first thing he prayed for. And uh, so he said, he prayed that they would know the will of God so they'd please the Lord. Number two, that they would bear fruit in every good work. Fruitfulness. In the Bible, that, that just means that, um, that it is productive for the kingdom, that it, that it has value. Um, so we want to know that, the, that what we're doing is bearing fruit. It's fruitful, it's productive, it's important, there's value in it. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what what is the fruit of our life? If we look back over the last year, over the last five years, over the last 10 years, what fruit has our labor and our focus and our attention, what has it produced? When it comes to people and lives, what kind of influence have we had on people? When it comes to other areas of pursuit, our relationship with God or our uh, our um, engagement with our work or whatever like what what fruit has our life produced it's important to ask ourselves that what pro- what fruit is being produced by our life um, and that doesn't mean you know everything we do has to be uh, producing something for the kingdom and if you know I think god wants you to have fun. He wants you to enjoy life. It's clear that he's put a lot of things in life, whether it be cycling and uh, whether it be something else that you like doing or surfing or, or eating or reading or, or pursuing other pursuits. God has no problem with that. In the past, I think uh, churches have, have frowned upon any kind of joy. and You might have grown up in a denomination like that where to actually have fun uh, was ungodly. Uh, that's that's a misinterpretation of scriptures. God wants you to have fun. Uh, you don't look like you're having fun right now. You look very serious, but <laughs> that's why we want to have. You know, we want laughter in church. We want fun in church. We want people to to enjoy their life. Um, uh, so the, all those things are important. Uh, that's fruit. That's fruitfulness. That we have a positive impact on the people that we hang around. That we not people where they go, oh. They're, that Christian. They're such Christians. They're so boring. They're so somber. They're so negative or whatever it is. Don't be that person. We want to be people that represent Jesus in a way that he is. He was, people flocked to him. Not because he was "Ah," like that. He was fun to be around. Hard to believe, I know. But Jesus was fun to be around. Kids loved being around him. When you go to a party or you uh, or you're in a house and the kids flock to the parents or the or the adults that are fun don't they that play games or muck around with them they don't go they don't run to the parent that's there like this or or a steer or very they don't they're like oh i 'll go to this person so if they ran to Jesus, he must have been fun he must have been outgoing vivacious uh exciting, and so we want to be like that. So, having freedom to pursue certain things, but also living a pure life when it comes to our relationship with God and wanting to please Him with everything our do, uh, we do. So, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God, so that also growing in that knowledge, and I'll finish with this is is part of our pursuit. I'm so uh, encouraged by the people who are um, doing this course, Identity in Christ, because. Growing in our knowledge of God is part of the pursuit that God wants us to have, that we're not just, "Oh, well, you know, I know this," and I, and you know what? The longer you're following the Lord, and the longer you're in church and the longer you're around church stuff, the easier it is to go, well, I know, I know all that, I know that, and I know that, and I know that, and you know, and it's easy to get like that, but we're never, ever going to get nor exhaust. The beauty and the richness of Jesus, and so I want to encourage you in your own devotional or, or, or courses. So we're running this identity in Christ. I encourage you to invest some time in getting to know God better, getting to know Him. What's He like? What's He like? What's He actually like? You know, oftentimes I remember one of the one of the questions that. Um, this guy, Hayden, who was a national sales manager, a lot of the junior guys or junior leaders or, or sales reps or people in the organisation would ask was, because this guy used to spend a lot of time with Dick Pratt, who was the owner of the company, the second richest man in the world, and, and a lot of them used to say, what's he like? What's he like? What's he like? He'd go, ah, oh, he's like this, he's like that, whatever. Because oftentimes the view from the outside is not always the real person is it we have a perception of somebody and then sometimes we get to know those people we find out that they're completely different and and so they would say what's he like what's he like when it comes to jesus you don't need to find out secondhand what's he like you can come to me and, and obviously i'm here and i'm sharing and teaching from the Word about what He's like and what He has for you. But the most important thing that you can do, as Paul prayed for the Colossian church is find out for yourself. Spend some time with Jesus in the Scriptures. Some time just by yourself going for a walk and just saying, God, I want to know you. And He will reveal Himself to you. And you won't need someone to tell you what he's like. And then when you share what God is like with people, because other people have other perceptions and ideas around what God is and what he's like and from what they've heard. But when you know somebody and you share what that person's like, how much more powerful is it when you go, no, he's not like that at all? I run into people from different times, particularly when you say you're a pastor like, oh, church, church. <laughs> it's like this, it's like that. And God's like this and God's like that. And I'm like, no, nah, he's not like that at all. I, I would love that you would actually get to know him because you might have heard some things about him, but I'm telling you, they're not true. And you can get to know him for yourself. That's my heart for you as a follower of Christ, as a Christian in the world, that we would, as Paul prayed, and our pray prayer is that you would know God's will for your life. know what he's like so that we can, with, with our pursuits, with our direction, with the things that we're engaged in and, the, and how we're investing our time, that we're looking to please the Lord. We're looking to honor Him and glorify Him and please him. And if you can say that, I because you know certain decisions we make in life they're not always popular. We don't live our lives based on the road of least resistance. We build our lives around what God says. That's what a Christian is. What does God say? And we don't make our decisions based on popularity, but that we can go, God, I know you'd be pleased by this. And if in our heart, whatever decisions we're making with our life are moving forward and we're honest with ourselves, that we can say, I honestly i am making this decision because I believe this would please God this direction, this decision, whether it be with your family or your finances or, or whatever area of your life, then you can stand before God and say, God, I'm living for you. I want what's best for you. And this is what I know, that when you put God first and you honour Him, He always honours you. He always blesses you. He always will pour out favour. On our life, you know, I'll I've, I've finish. I know I've said this once. I said I'm going to finish with this, but you know, when a, a preacher says I'm just going to finish with this, what he's actually saying is, "Pay attention to this." <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't actually mean he's going to finish. <laughs> I, f- I will finish with this though. One last scripture. I was re- I've been reading through Proverbs. Another good thing that you should do. So there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 days in most months, 30 in some months. Every day you can read a chapter of the book of Proverbs. It takes like five minutes. There's so much in there. Anyway, that's what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm up to 24. Uh, But this was in 19, so a few days ago. And I don't want this to be the case for you. It says, A person's own folly or a person's own foolishness leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. What's it? What? What this proverbs is saying is oftentimes we make decisions out of we're motivated by different motives and we, we fool ourselves into thinking this decision we're making is because of a certain thing, but and the outcome doesn't always work out. Who knows? Not every decision we make, you know, the outcome is what we want. But then oftentimes we'll make a decision about a thing, whether it be an investment, whether it be about a job choice, whether it be about this or that, and we make a decision and it doesn't work out the way we'd hoped, and then we blame God. And God's saying, no, you made that decision. That's the fruit of your decision. Don't blame me. We can't blame God for everything that we do in our lives and every outcome. If we don't consider Him, we don't include Him, and we don't desire what He has for our lives. So I want you to take ownership of the decisions that you make. Don't blame anybody else. Don't go this or that. You can say, I made this decision, but I made it based on a desire to please God, to know His will and His purpose, and to honour Him. And if you do that, I can guarantee you, not everything will work out immediately in the short term, but in the long term, God will work all things together for good. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father. I pray that we would have a heart to please you, that we would know your will. As Paul prayed, that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will, your purpose, your plan, your desire. Fill our hearts with it, God. Holy Spirit, reveal to us how much we're loved, and the direction and the decisions that we can take when it comes to God and it comes to people. Thank you, Jesus.